This week, we begin in Conroe, where a young woman's strangulation leads to almost 20 years of judicial turmoil. Then, we travel north to the town of Gilmer, where the investigation into the disappearance of a young girl will uncover cults, cannibalism, and corruption. Welcome to episode 46 of Texas 1031. Should we listen to the beginning of an episode? No. Uh, Hey, are you ready? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Hey, everyone. Welcome. Or shit. No, that's not it at all. Hey, everyone. (laughs) This is Texas 1031. This is Cassie and Hannah. This is Cassie and Hannah. This is Texas 31. Yeah. Speaking of that, Natalie's moved back to Houston. Oh, okay. Just, yeah. Just the, the, that reminded me of her a lot. Did it? Yeah. Okay. It did. Just cut that out. All right. It's fine. Start over. I liked it. Um, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. It's been a while. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Who's that? <laughs> Creed or something? Yeah. <laughs> Saliva. Three days. Graves. Grace. Graves. Grave would be better. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't put an episode out in uh, over two months. We're sorry. Not really. I mean, we had a we slash not me at all. Hannah put out a really good survivor <laughs> story. So true. There was that at least we didn't completely disappear. But weirdly enough, that was we've a good gotten, one. It was really good. It I was liked a it. dude for a change. And you it know, kind of kept me on like not the edge of my seat, but like a roller coaster it ride. Going. It kept going. Like it how, was nice. He was a cop. How d- no no offense. How dumb do you have to be to be like, oh hey, I'm poisoned by <laughs> this lady. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, we're, back. we're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. We are back. Yeah, and we've actually in our <laughs> in our absence, we've gotten some iTunes reviews and some yeah. fucking like suggestions. So that's really cool. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks Except for that one bitch. Fuck you. Always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for all the um, suggestions over email, social media, all that stuff. I kind of updated a little list that we have. So keep an ear out for your, your suggestion. Yeah. Which one of them we'll be covering tonight? We will be. Yeah. Um, anyway. Woohoo. Do you, Do you have re- recommendations? Because <laughs> I feel like you should. <laughs> it's been um, so long. I really don't. I <laughs> thought of one, but I'll, okay, I guess I'll talk about it. Um... It's not really anything. I don't even know if you can do it now, but Cassie and I went to uh, see Patton Oswald yeah. at a church. <laughs> Beautiful um, church. And we got a signed book, and he talked about Michelle and all the updates on the case and what's coming in regards to all of that. And it was really cool. So if you, um, if he's coming to a city near you, buy yeah. tickets. Because it was really fun and very casual and informal, but um, really sweet and interesting. Sorry. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> Wine glass on <laughs> the microphone. Cheers the mic. It was. It was really yeah. beautiful, too, because he, like, he can't imagine how hard that must be city by city just talking about again, his yeah. late wife again and all that pain. Over so, and over. yeah, he, it's 
definitely go check him yeah. out. Do you yeah. have a recommendation? Um, my only recommendation is pretty much for like the Houston, Pearland, Pasadena area because I just rented a house, but I used a realtor. Um, <laughs> I found her through like the Murderino page of Houston. Cause Are you serious? Yeah. She's fantastic. She found this place for us. She negotiated with like a very difficult uh, situation. I'm not going to talk any badness about my landlord. What did it involve a murder? No, it didn't involve a murder. But there is a giant red, like a weird copper stain up on the carpet upstairs. Mm. So it's like, why didn't you try harder to replace that? It's weird. It, yeah, I'm fine with it. But I need to because you can't replace just a patch because then it's obvious right. more so. Yeah, so you just know. replace all the carpet. Give us new Too carpet. Too expensive. Mm, it's true. Easier to just kill the body. I need to. Body. <laughs> I need to um, sage this house. I have sage, so I need to do that shit. But her name is Ginger Vivian Vivian uh, V I V I O N. Sounds like a porn star. It. I know, right? It's mm-hmm. so cool. A redhead <laughs> porn star. Like I heard her because I had just seen it or burlesque, lady. you know, on email, <laughs> just reading it, and so you read it different in your head. And then I heard her say it out loud, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's really like sexual." Sultry. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I recommend her services. You can find her on Facebook. Services. Just, <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> I'm sorry, Ginger. I know you're not a. Lady of the night. It's fine. Um, that's my only recommendation. Cause other, and if you are, it's okay. It is okay. It's fine. I just don't want to throw that on people who aren't. I don't know. Cut it Wait, out. Wait, being a redhead? Just kidding. She is a redhead. I know. That that was the joke. I'm oh, sorry. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I don't have... Like, I was thinking about it. I wrote down a list. Like, I titled the list Rex. And I was like, I haven't done anything. No. Like, I watched the new episode of Game of Thrones, but so did everyone in the world except you. Nausea. I, um, I saw the new season of Queer Eye, which everyone in the world did. Except for me. Like, really? Mm. Oh, you would like it. I, I I've watched it. here and there. I like the old stuff. I've never or seen Or I watched the old stuff, and okay. then I've seen a few of the new, but... Ooh. Um, so are we just going to not talk about the fact that we're in a new house right now? Or? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I am. I'm in a new house, which is awesome. And we're sorry if it's a little like echoey. Yeah. Because we're in the living room. The pod room stuff around us, yet. But yeah. it's beautiful. There's plants. There's things. Yay. Gaio's asleep on his little baby boy bed. He has room to run and play. And he's going to work off some of the extra weight he's gained going up and down the stairs every day it's great on the bloody carpet on the bloody carpet perfect yeah i'm excited i'm happy and we'll eventually have a podcast room so yay that'll be cool too Woo! let me get my notebook out and we can start yes i think i'm first this week according to our last recording eight million years ago Oh, speaking of our last recording, I may cut this out, I may not, but we got a review and I can't really respond to the guy because you can't do that on iTunes. People forget or whatever. But he was like, hey, my wife is the cousin of Delton and Dennis, the last like full episode we did. And he was like, all the facts she corroborated and they're pieces of shit. He didn't write that, but I gathered. (laughs) And yeah. So, hey, man. We read it, and that's cool. Um, yeah. Sorry for your wife's situation. I don't know. Yeah, it's always so scary. Like, I think you said in the text you sent me, like, I'm really glad I did yeah, a decent job. Yeah, I'm glad job, it was okay. Yeah. I mean, even though we thought certain ways about whatever, it's mm-hmm. hard to get all the correct information. Yep. So, anyway, that's all I wanted to mention. Yeah, it, it, especially, like, since I'm doing one that our listener, I won't say her name, um, 
uh, it's weird doing her name is melissa same as the victim actually oh then i didn't forget it yeah that's fine i won't say your last name i just don't retain information well it's okay you should have remembered it was pretty easy yeah (laughs) i didn't it's written on my page a million times (laughs) but um it's always so weird like it's great to get suggestions because it makes our job a little easier and we know we're putting out content that you guys are interested in but it's also a lot of pressure it's like we want to do a good job for them so that was cool that guy and then the review right before is a big old cunt so yeah i think the title was yikes yeah <laughs> oh, yikes! i say that a lot and you ruined that word for me yeah so. fucking dick <laughs> <laughs> all right let's start episode 46 without further ado Woo-hoo. we should be on episode 60 by now i mean <laughs> so funny yeah we should be on episode like 150 by now i no. think if we hadn't taken so many breaks we take a lot of breaks we don't want to do we're not going to try and do math no again no it's not worked out for us in no. the past so tonight we're going to talk about the murder of melissa trotter so december 5th 1998 conroe texas beautiful 19 year old college student melissa Eline trotter is photographed at a wedding three days later she goes missing 25 days after that, her body would be found in the Sam Houston National Forest. Someone is on death row for her murder, but do we really know what happened at all? Not really. Spoiler alert. (laughs) So, we're going to wind it back a little to December 6th, 1998. Melissa Trotter meets 27-year-old Larry Swearingen. Uh, yes. And I'm going to 100% say Swearinger at some point because my N's look like R's sometimes because I don't finish the N. I don't do the second curve yeah, down. same. So if I say Swearinger, I mean Swearingen. Don't yell at me. Don't be combative. Also, so. <laughs> to be 27 and be named Larry is like... It's not 1965, you know what I mean? Or whatever. This is unfortunate. Uh huh. Like, uh, he was born in 1977, I believe it was. And it's like Larry was out of fashion. Maybe, I don't know. It's just a dad name. I just, not a fan. Because, I mean, all you have is Lawrence, you know? And Lawrence is much better. Go by Lawrence. Fall back. Backfall. (laughs) Sounds like a bad, like, video game. Or like a ride at Six Flags. (laughs) The backfall. All right. (laughs) Anyway, sorry, Larry. So, no, don't apologize to Larry. It's fine. Oh, okay. Uh, so Another spoiler alert. Melissa and Larry meet on December 6, 1988 in Conroe, um, and they just kind of become acquainted, like a situation. At the wedding? No, not at okay. the wedding. I mentioned no, the wedding because that was the very last time gotcha. she was photographed. It's just, you know. Ugh, it, date and time. Got yeah, it. it just sucks. Um, so they became acquainted and talked for a while. Larry got her phone number and they made plans to see each other the next day. That's all any of the articles said. That's all the affidavit said. I have a lot of thoughts about this, but I'm going to try to save them until questions and theories because okay, it so takes us on a tailspin. I was like, where, how, apartment, mall, what's right. going on? So Larry brags to his coworkers um, at the mechanic shop that he worked at the following day, December 7th, about this beautiful young girl that he had plans with. Larry is married. Mm. Melissa stands him up. She doesn't show for their lunch date, um, and when he calls her to kind of find out why, she said she had been taking a test. So Larry's noticeably, by his coworkers, pissed for the rest of the day. 
Does she know that he's married? Sorry, just to interject. Not okay. I mean, we we don't know. We're okay. not sure because okay. they meet in December eighth. It's a day later. She disappears. She exactly. Gives the phone number without question. Okay. This is a very quick like mm-hmm. meet cute turned yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking not so cute. carnage. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, later that evening, on December seventh, after rescheduling with Melissa, Larry brags again to his coworkers um, William Brown and Brian Foster. Um, he says that if their lunch date goes well, then he'll be, quote, having Melissa for lunch, quote. So kind of insinuating that he's going to have sex with her. That is obviously his goal for this lunch date. A day after meeting her, she's eight years younger than him. That's fine. He's also married. And his name's Larry. And his name's Larry. Just strike fucking Classic. four. Classic Larry. <laughs> so Tuesday, December 8th. So this is two days after their initial meeting. 1.30 p.m. Larry meets Melissa in the library at Montgomery College, which is her college where she goes to school, where he does not go to school for their lunch date. Melissa has just purchased tater tots from the cafeteria. Hell yeah. Yeah. My first thought was... Oh, my God. I remember school tater tots. They were always the best. So golden and crunchy. My second thought is, if she knows she has a lunch date, why would she buy food? But we'll table that for questions and theories. maybe she wasn't expecting him to buy. Maybe she wasn't trying to be presumptuous that he was going to purchase her food. And she was like, I'm fucking hungry. Like, let's go. That is possible. That is possible. So... The two and it's fucking tater tots. You and, know? Yeah, goddamn tater tots. I bet you back then Every in like '98 they were like 50 extra cents, good. extra oh, good. Yeah. Oh well, no, because they're pumped with hormones yeah, and yeah. like, yeah, GMO as fuck. So, uh, Larry and Melissa sit by the computers and talk quote amicably for a bit. Then they leave the library together right around 2 p.m. So he arrives at 1.30 or so, little, you know, give or take a few. And then they're leaving the library around 2 p.m. Melissa's car stays at the school and a biology teacher um, sees her getting into a car, could remember that it was Melissa. Remember Montgomery College? It's When I first saw that, I was like, how would a professor like remember one student and then i realized montgomery college is probably like the size of like lone star college you know so it's especially back smaller then classes too, yeah even more so and melissa was a very beautiful girl um and she was very small so i feel like even though she you're really small out, you stand yeah, out because yeah. of your non-height right yeah. so all she was able to say though was that she saw her getting into a car with a man at 205 p.m Larry answers a page saying he would call back later because he was at lunch with a friend. Melissa is never seen alive after this point. So an extensive search is organized, but her body wasn't discovered until January 2nd, 1999. It's like a month later? Yeah, like 25 days. Oh, yeah, obviously. (laughs) Um, So her parents, Sandy and Charles Trotter, I'm going to say Twatter if I keep saying the last name. I'm okay. not going to say the last name. That's the last time. Um, so her parents, Sandy and Charles, spent Christmas in agony over their daughter's disappearance, only to spend New Year's mourning her death. The area she'd been found in, again, in the Sam Houston National Forest, had been searched already. Actually, three times over the period she'd been missing. How big is that area, at least it's at that time? It's a huge too. national forest. Yeah. At that time, I'm sure it was even bigger. I know, like cyclers brewing they're okay set yeah kind of in that forest so i do know that 
it might not be as expansive as it was, mm-hmm. but it's a vast forest. For but sure. if the area that she had been found in, if they, I, I feel like saying that, oh, it had already been searched. It's like, okay, that's broad. But saying it had been searched three times over, I feel like they would have maybe combed that area yeah. at least once out of those For three sure. times. So Melissa had died of asphyxiation. She was strangled by one um, leg from a set of pantyhose. Uh. So strangled with pantyhose, um, pantyhose that were not hers. Yeah, I was about to ask. She had decomposition around her neck and face from maggots and evidence of rodent scavenging kind of in the same area of her body. She was clothed, but her shirt was bunched up around her neck. I actually came across the crime scene photo of her body. We will not post that because like, I mean, we can if Hannah thinks it's okay. It's like trigger warning AF. It's not. I mean, it's obviously a dead woman. You know what I mean? That's what we need to expose. Not her, but the reality that people fucking suck. Honestly, it might be important to post because the state of decomposition does not match how long she had been missing and presumably dead for. We'll was talk about covered? that. She was like not by covered. brush or anything? Okay. She was hidden was back in cold bushes. Outside. It was cold. The average temperature around the time was around 55 degrees with the highest being 70. So typical Texas, South yeah. Texas winter quote. But after um, a month, not really enough to really uh, prolong Right. Decomp, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You'll get to it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So there were no drag scratches on her back. Um, So like she might have been placed. Exactly. And her shirt being pulled up, you know, the initial thought would be it's pulled up because she was drugged here. But when there's no scratches and instead there's indentions on her back from her clothing, um, it suggests that she was wearing her shirt. It was all the way down when she deceased and... The lividity was lying on her, her back. Shirt, yeah. Thank you, lividity. Yeah. Yes. So her torso, um, there was no evidence that her torso had been scavenged by wild pigs, crows, vultures, any of the wildlife that lived in that area. Mm-hmm. She also showed no signs of bloating, and police didn't remark that there was any foul smell of decomposition. Holy um, shit. Hunters actually thought it was a mannequin. And so when you do see this picture, she doesn't she doesn't look bloated. She has very pale white skin. She looks porcelain, really. So it's it is very strange. But remember, um, it's never a mannequin. It's never. We've stated this before. Never a mannequin. <laughs> never. Those poor it's always hunters or like boys playing in yeah. the woods, like or a dog. Think about the poor animals that are like, oh, holy shit. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I yeah. was like, oh, crows, that's really cool. It's like, oh, how many crows do you ever see that like have human remains in their belly? Yeah, they did no at some point. Yeah, they just don't think our, our dogs would eat us if we, we should, died in our house. Animals eventually. should be able to talk. It's a crime. They should be. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> um, so it didn't seem that Melissa's body had been there for long. Right. Evidence did not suggest that that was where she was brought immediately after her death 25 days previously. And I mean, I feel like that's good police work because honestly, I I feel like there are some police forces that wouldn't 
And maybe this is dumb because after they corroborate with a coroner or a medical examiner, they would be like, no, y'all are stupid. She clearly was just dropped here like a hot minute ago. Right. But at least that was evident immediately. And it wasn't mm-hmm. a doubt like, oh, this is uh, an inconsistency. We need to look into this. Yep. You know and, I mean? and I think it helps that she was a young white girl in oh, Conroe yeah, that obviously. had been missing for a really long time. Yeah. And so they didn't like the crime scene was obviously well documented if mm-hmm. there are pictures on the Internet right now. Um, and pretty well taken care of preserved the evidence was almost was very yeah. well preserved so it is it is good yeah. police work at least in that sense so now we will travel back to the evening of december 8th yeah so larry swearingen had been at his trailer sometime before 3 30 p.m that day on december 8th and had left between 2 to 3 30 so this is coming from a neighbor who saw the truck only so it's like he was doing stuff in the yard or looked outside and he was like okay yeah, larry's home saw the truck come to the house sometime before around two but then he had left between 2 and 3.30. Uh, the neighbor just saw the truck. He did not see anyone in or out of the truck. So he didn't see Larry. Mm-hmm. He didn't see anyone accompanying Larry. Accompanying? accompanying? Nope. He didn't see anyone with Larry. So, you would assume that Larry's home because his truck's there. Because his truck is there. But maybe exactly. or maybe not someone else is with him. And it feels like they only, um, he and his wife, they were a one car family because he does oh, have to pick yeah, her up later. So the old ball and chain. All right. This motherfucker's married. So Larry returned later to his trailer um, and spoke with his landlord around 4.30 to 5.30 p.m., then left again between this time. So he arrived no earlier than around 4.30 and left no later than 5.30. You know, when you think about witness testimony, it's like the landlord was like, oh, it was around this time. But for sure, you know, I was eating dinner at this point. So he was gone by then. That's kind of how it felt. Mm -hmm. Um, So he picked up his wife, Terry. Terry and Larry Woof. gag from his mother's home. Um, and when they returned home, the house was in disarray. Terry noticed and actually testified that the house Their was in trailer disarray. Their trailer was all ransacked mm-hmm. sure fucked up. Yes. Okay. When from ransacked and fucked up from when Terry had last been at the house. Okay. It was in disarray. And there were also a pack of Marlboro lights and a red lighter sitting on top of the television. Larry and Terry did not smoke. Melissa did. That was her brand of cigarettes, which is not really great evidence in the eyes of the court. Or it shouldn't be. It kind of was. But it does raise a lot of flags for me. Wait, what brand was it again? Marlboro Lights, my own brand. That's super common. It is. I mean, I'm just making a statement that like it doesn't definitively point exactly. to her. A lot of people smoke that it's brand. It's really, really common. That's Especially my brand of cigarettes. Especially teen girls. Unless... Very good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> those are so mild. Yeah. And unless she was one of those people who like, I have a lucky lighter. This is my yeah. lighter. But a, a red lighter, like how many red Bic lighters have you seen in your life? A gazillion. Yeah, exactly. So it's, yeah, Bic that's probably the, the most, most common. Yeah, exactly. So um, that is a good point. Um, Larry did file a police report in the following days saying his home had been burglarized Mm -hmm. so was any of their shit missing couldn't find that didn't Mm. see that don't know his house was ransacked so that night 
Oh, God, I want to. There's so many. I wrote down so many questions and theories. Yeah, I'm I like, just, I can't. Stop I want right to toss them in there's right like, now, but I'm gonna like try. A gajillion that I'm like writing down. Ugh. So, God, this was Melissa. This was a great suggestion. Yeah, Thank you very uh-huh. much. It's awful and tragic and very good for this podcast. Um, that night. So the night of December eighth. Um, so you know he filed a police report in the following days, but that that same night that he picked up his wife, the house was in disarray. Mm-hmm. Um, the last day that Melissa is seen alive, he called um, an ex girlfriend named Phyllis and told her that he was in trouble and the police may be after him. And in fact, they were. On December eleventh, nineteen ninety eight, Larry is arrested due to several outstanding warrants. So that phone call could have been. Like, I don't think he called her up just like, hey, I'm in a lot of trouble. I think it was just like, maybe they were still friendly phone conversation. He was like, yeah, I'm fucking trouble. Like, the cops are after me. And he Mm. does get picked up for outstanding warrants. So he could be talking about a murder he purported or warrants he already had. Do you think that she was the one that was like, hey, and called the cops on him? And that wasn't. That's a good question. the, The. you know, original tip was... That's a good question. I kind of interpreted as he, like, got pulled over for, like, speeding or something. They were like, hey, um, what's all these on your record? Maybe, yeah. I don't know. That's just kind of convenient. that's a good question. It's a little convenient. Because there is some stuff about exes that... Yeah. It would be weird for this one ex to be, like, a friend of his. So that's a good point. It's it's convenient in the sense of, like, I called my ex-girlfriend when I'm in distress and probably most likely committed a murder mm-hmm. and then casually get picked up on warrants like you don't get casually picked up on warrants without the police knowing that you probably did something pretty fucked up do you know what i mean yeah that's also true um and he, maybe not uh, well and like as an excuse to arrest you and hold you you know what i mean but by the time he got picked up you know it had been three days since melissa's disappearance so yeah. i am not positive whether or not police would already have That's ID'd true, him as the last person. They didn't have like person. a real history with each other, etc. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Sorry, so that Phyllis could be, that could not be. been not involved. There are a lot of questions in this case, oh, so man. it's going to happen all night. So <laughs> it's going to happen. When he was being arrested and handcuffed, um, he did mention that his ribs and wrist were sore from a, quote, bar fight mm-hmm. he had gotten in the previous week. So also an interesting tidbit. So on January 26th, 1999, a little over a month after he had been arrested, Larry was indicted by a Montgomery County grand jury for the kidnapping-related um, capital murder of Melissa Trotter. On November 2nd, 1999, so, you know, skipping way ahead, mm-hmm. um, he's reindicted with rape-related capital murder. So just... Keep Tack that in it, mind. Tacking it on. Right. Wait, involving her? Involving Melissa. Yes, thing. I'm okay. so sorry. Yeah, involving no, Melissa. Sure. So they could determine that she was raped. Right. Okay. But how did he get indicted, we might ask? One, he was the last one to be seen with Melissa. Cell phone records, which, remember, mm. also aren't very... Reliable. Reliable anymore. Um, but cell phone records pinged him traveling from his trailer to where Melissa's body was found on the day she disappeared but also remember her body wasn't found until 25 days later and that place had already been searched three times so you know um there was also fiber evidence from melissa's jacket that quote appeared to be matched with um that of fibers found in his truck also 
That he could have just evidence, gone on a date. Doesn't mean he killed her. Right. And that type of evidence, fiber evidence like that, is not admissible anymore. Not usually, at least. What? Fiber evidence? From a jacket? I mean, kind of. I think it's super subjective to the situation. If it's like, yeah. I don't know. If it's just like a normal jacket that you can go get at the Gap and it's like any other girl could have had this jacket, you oh, know, I feel yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, I see what you're saying. If it's like a specific jacket that like her grandma knitted for her with like family wool, <clears throat> yeah. I could see that being, but like, yeah, it's just kind of all of the evidence, most of this evidence is really circumstantial and mm-hmm. I think that falls totally in that, for sure, that uh, category. Um there was also testimony from his co-workers, William and Brian, about his comments about meeting a girl named yeah. Melissa for lunch. Having he was going to have lunch. her for lunch. You know, so obviously his intentions were clear about what was going to happen. Like but I also, said. you can fuck on your lunch break. It's you not a crime. Can. But I don't know. Don't be a jerk and brag about it like that. But I, don't I don't know. Ugh. Yeah. You, like you hope the dude that you're with isn't like to his friends. Like it's just so. I don't know. Kind of you want him to, but not being uh, weird about it. Not in a, yeah, not in a yeah. predatory like way. In, in your brain, like let him you know, stew about it. it. It's fine. Yeah, it's okay. So there was also bruising around Melissa's vaginal wall, um, which the prosecution pointed to as evidence of rape. But uh, the medical examiner said that there was no actual evidence of violent penetration. It could have, that bruising could have just been from normal sexual mm-hmm. intercourse. Um, so the most damning evidence against him was that the other leg of the pantyhose that matched the one found wrapped around Melissa's neck was found in the trash um, at his property four days after her body was found. He had already vacated the property. He and his wife moved out, kind of like released the home um, back to the landlord and they moved in with their parents' house. Oh yeah, because you can't afford a trailer, I forgot. Right. And the landlord cleaned out the house and like threw excuse me threw away trash so that's when the pantyhose leg appeared police had already searched his property two times uh two to three times before and they hadn't found that so the landlord like it was somewhere cleaning it out yeah but also which means it could have been hidden and he was you know what i mean exactly that's why he found it then but the defense does say that stretching and distortion can occur for any pantyhose so that does not necessarily mean it matches you can't really super tell it's not very it's not conclusive you know yeah if you're gonna go all in and say oh her jacket fibers were in the car then you need to be able to go all in and say you know this is the exact match of this pantyhose with this pantyhose what (laughs) pantyhose all right you know what i mean yeah um (laughs) So <laughs> Jesus Christ, sorry. No, no, no. Um, so I how, how old I was. I <laughs> think of like hoes. When people say hoes, hey, I think of actual. Uh, yeah, I don't think of the. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> all circumstantial until. Uh, This is all circumstantial evidence until the Harris County Chief Medical Examiner, Joy Carter, who did the autopsy, said that she believed Melissa had been killed the day she disappeared based on external decomposition. Hmm. But she wasn't asked about the internal decomp of the organs, which were still very intact for someone supposedly dead for almost an entire month. Yeah, and the external wasn't that extensive. Exactly. We'll talk about her in a moment. Dr. Joy. Yeah. So the defense um, 
they pointed out that blood found under one of Melissa's fingernails was proven by DNA to not be from Swearingen. The uh, there was also a pubic hair found in the vaginal Ooh. swab that was not his. So was it hers? It wasn't hers or his. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't know if the article didn't. Define. I would hope so. It didn't really, but it's like the the defense is uh, from the Innocence Project, so I feel like they kind of know yeah, what they're doing. For so, sure. um, but the defense pathologist did not question melissa's body's quote good shape so he didn't say like hey by the way she couldn't have died on this day because xxxxx okay so he didn't do that so it was kind of like so dr joy is kind of correct yeah as as far as this goes because nothing was put nothing was questioned that she said it was like taken as fact and the defense didn't go against against it it and try and prove otherwise got it not until later way 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 later like 14 years later yeah so the Montgomery County jury found Larry Swearingen guilty of capital murder, kidnapping, and rape in June of 2000. He received the death penalty for this. And during the punishment phase, um, it was put into discussion two unadjudicated rapes, an unadjudicated assault on an ex, and he had also tried to escape custody. So definitely a lot of hits on his character. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who didn't know what unadjudicated means, like me, I had to look it up. <laughs> I felt like I knew what it meant, but I didn't want to say it without really knowing. Basically, character witnesses came out and said these things happened. They were just never brought to trial. They weren't reported. But yeah, this motherfucker raped me. He raped me. He beat me. I'm his ex-wife. You know, so. But it was never given as evidence to his jury. Well, right. Uh, well, no, no, no. It was during the punishment phase. Okay. But it was never. Not during the trial. It was never on. These weren't on the record, like on his criminal record or anything because no one ever reported them. But until- there's sometimes there's there you can there's admissible previous and prior crimes that you can that the judge will be like, no, nah, we don't want to talk about there. Talk about that during the trial. But during the sentencing phase, y'all let it in. Yeah. Just for shits and gigs. You know, that's when it was. Okay. Yeah, it was during the sentencing phase. Love that part. That's yeah. So fair. You mm-hmm. know. So. Larry maintained his innocence. He's maintained his innocence the entire time. Um, And he has also refused plea bargains to get a lesser charge, lesser sentence. Um, There was also, I could get more into this. Yeah. But I really, it's fucking weird. There was a letter written and sent to Larry's mother, written in Spanish, Spanish translated from like, you know how when you're learning Spanish in high school and you're like, oh, I think I know Spanish. And then you go and talk to an actual person who speaks Spanish yeah, and they're like, like, you don't fucking again? know this huh? shit. Yeah. Like you, it's like us reciting the Webster's Dictionary. That's exactly yeah, what this like letter was. It's like speaking English mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. It was a weird translation saying that a person named J.D., just initials, was actually the murderer of Melissa and that Larry was innocent, but the girl writing the letter didn't want JD to go to jail either. It was sent to Larry's mother for no goddamn reason, and then the handwriting was matched to Larry. So it's pretty much thought that Larry wrote this letter to try to exonerate himself. Gotcha. Using shitty dictionary prison... Yeah. Dictionary. <laughs> he didn't pay someone to write it for him. He wasn't smart enough to do that, to change his handwriting. For I saw two things. I think, like, one article said that he paid someone to translate it for him. Another one said 
it was in his he handwriting. Just thought, Let me just change the language, but not the handwriting. Not, yeah, so get out. That oh, was man. I could read the whole letter. I could go into it. It's just a weird fucking thing that just kind of is a hit on his character for yeah. me. It's just like I was don't kind do of that. I was kind of believing him and thinking, all right. You're not and then great, he just but shit like this. it's circumstantial. But now that's a little strange, right? But also, you want to do what you can to get yourself out of prison if right. you think you're innocent. You think so. about yeah. So you think about being in prison, mm-hmm. knowing you didn't commit the crime, and you're fucking in there. You're on death row, and it's like I would do anything I could. Espanol, senor. Uh, I, it wasn't me, sir. <laughs> Write you a letter. To me. So he did have <laughs> a bunch of appeals starting in 2002, um, spanning till 2006. They had multiple appeals filed and rejected. I could, again, go through all of those. There Mm -hmm. was a really great list on Murderpedia of them. Thank you, Murderpedia. Always. So his attorney for most of this time has been James Ridding, and he is with the Innocence Project. Um, Ridding says, due to the decomposition evidence that... um, Due to the decomp evidence, sorry, I wrote weird squiggles, um, Melissa was murdered while Larry was in jail from the warrants. So, they believe okay. with her level of Timeline. decomp, not necessarily just the fact that she hadn't been in that spot for more than like 10 days to two weeks, they don't think she was even murdered until right around the 11th or 12th. So, someone kidnapped her, kept her hostage till this point. Exactly. That wasn't Larry. Then murdered what her. what suggesting. Then wasn't Larry. Gotcha. Continue. Yeah. So, there was also a rape kit taken. Guess what? It wasn't tested. Oh. Besides the pubic hair that was tested. Right. Super weird. That was stated that was in her vaginal canal, right? Yeah. Did I hear that wrong? But the full rape kit, like semen, none of that was tested. Okay. Super weird. Also, sidebar suggestion. I do remember my suggestion. Oh. So, Ben Kissel's political podcast, Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. For sure. They do a really great job of being nonpartisan. I've talked about that before. Um the not the most recent episode with his girlfriend Brooke and Travis Morningstar Ugh. the one before that he interviews someone with the Pearl group and they fucking hate the Joyful Heart Foundation they hate Mariska Hardigay because wow. she is a rape survivor and she says it's not a backlog because they're just not fucking doing anything about it a backlog suggests that they're actually working on it and they're right. just really behind and the way she was treated by police during her rape and uh, she was raped by a serial rapist who wasn't caught until almost a decade later because police didn't do anything. It's a really, really interesting eye-opening interview yeah. just about the whole culture of this rape rape test, yeah. um, rape kit testing and also how, you know, Mariska Hardigay is just, she is kind of doing a lot of this, like she's doing good, but she's doing a lot like, for publicity and not doing a lot of good in the eyes of actual rape victims, rape survivors. So super sidebar saying rape kit. Listen yeah. to that episode of Abe, Abe Lincoln's pod, Top, Top Cat. Cat. Oh, my God. Um, but it's near the end. So you can skip through if you feel like you're privileged enough to not have to care about politics. You can just go and listen to that portion of it because it is super interesting. To, to note on that yeah. or to whatever... Uh, I feel like it's also very subjective, city to city, state to state, law to law, how much budget you have, things and such. She's going to look like shit because she's a celebrity. And yeah, maybe some of these foundations 
are doing nothing. But, you know, it's a backlog for a reason because there's so much to test and it yeah. does cost money to test this stuff. And you can't just do it consistently all the time. It, yeah. It, it, there's a process that a lot of us aren't privy to. So. Oh, yeah. As much as I agree and disagree, it's really nothing we have control over. So let's oh, yeah. not write a yikes iTunes review. Oh, right, right, right. Well, definitely <laughs> listen to it, but though. But be it involved. Totally. Educate yourself. It, it does give a new perspective because, you yeah. know, the, like in this, I, I won't say, definitely listen to it because it does make you think about the way our language is around the uh, the backlog, the, mm-hmm. the rape kits. It's like, it is kind of damaging to the movement because we give more credit where credit is not due as far as law enforcement goes. Mm-hmm. And she's not trying to malign law enforcement. She's maligning her the specific, process. yeah, oh, her okay, and it, it. the yeah. other, I think like 15 to 20 Jesus women that were victims Christ. of the same rapist who were all treated the same way by law enforcement. So it's just yeah. really a movement by rape survivors, not just someone who plays a rape survivor on TV for mm-hmm. money, you know? So that, back to Melissa. Back to Melissa. The pubic hair. So the rape kit was not tested until December of 2017, oh my God. which is fucking insane, it's especially insane when that they kept it. Th- it's that is another First thing, of too. All, like they okay. kept it. Okay, so it wasn't tested until December 2017, but the results showed no new evidence because it was almost 20 years old. So was it kept in the... Was was it kind of like, uh, remember, Jerry, uh, Jeffrey Wright. Yeah. His evidence wasn't stored correctly and it got moldy, the fingernail. For sure. But also that's a particular type of anatomical DNA. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? I don't know how... I mean, but see, this is the thing. The hair, the pubic hair mm-hmm. is almost, it, the hair DNA is almost an unbelievable science. It's not even very well documented in like literature about it because it isn't that proven. It's all about the root. You know what I okay, mean? Okay. So it so, needs to be. Right. And your hair awful. and your nails are made up of the same shit. It's all keratin. So the fact that the hair, maybe because it was tested early, yes. was able to get a uh, reading on who it was and it wasn't versus the Jeffrey Wright fingernails was because, you know, it was tested later and maybe it molded because it wasn't preserved, yada, yada, just because it's the same type of, um, you know, chemical makeup and Mm -hmm. whatnot doesn't mean anything. No, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. But sperm, I don't know how that works. I don't know how long it lasts. How hard is it to test in comparison to hair Mm -hmm. and nail you know what I mean? Yeah. Am I making sense? Yeah, you are. That's because it's it is so mind boggling to think that these aren't tested immediately, especially right. when a murder has happened. They're not tested. And until you can get a twenty def- years later a definitive answer on a hair follicle that right. the science behind it is still in its infancy to a certain extent versus oh, sperm. Yeah. You know then? what I mean? Or whatever yeah. the DNA that was found. I don't know. That's kind of crazy. It is. It is crazy. Like it's not surprising to me that testing it mm. so long after the crime showed no new evidence. Right. And the defense also thinks it was kind of through and it wasn't tested in every capacity possible like I'm sure because they're they are starting to do shit with the backlog so some of these rape kits they're testing are 20 years old now and they can link people to them but I'm sure they're not just doing I'm thinking of it as like okay level one of testing level two level three you go deeper and deeper and deeper and you just 
It depends Use on the different sample. methods and stuff. And also, yeah, I, guaran- also I mean, I can't guarantee this, but I'm thinking that most likely all these samples were sent to the Houston Forensic Science Center, which was super corrupt in the early 2000s and was fucking That's shut down. Also true. So who knows what could have happened? And it's yeah. being retested now. Who knows what the actual... No offense to the Houston Forensic Science Center, but mm. they know that they fucked up. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like 2017, what are they really looking at? It's true. It's, it's, there's that, that sucks, I think, in both ways because it could have mm-hmm. told us that Larry was the perpetrator, was the rapist, was the murderer, and it also could have exonerated him. Right. So it, it, it does suck that that did never happen. Um, and now I'm going to do one of my favorite things, which is find where you highlighted something that you put in your notes. Okay. Dude, this case is rad. I'm it's into it. really good. Yeah. Really good suggestion. So also six different. So now we are kind of going back to. No, we're still in 2018. Okay. There's in some of these like highlight parts, some of them are back in 2007. Some of them are more current. So but they all kind of say the same thing. So no one cares. No one's listening. This is a direct quote from an article. Six different physicians and scientists, forensic pathologists and entomologists say that there's almost no way Swearingen could have done it. One of those doctors was instrumental in convicting Swearingen back in 2000, but has now changed her mind Mm. after seeing all the evidence. We'll talk about her. I'll read a quote from her later. So Dr. Glenn Larkin, a retired forensic pathologist in Charlotte, North Carolina, says, quote, As a forensic scientist since 1973, I always kept an objective stance when called to testify. However, there comes a point when as a human and as a Christian, I <laughs> there is a mandate to speak in the interest of justice. How this about is, that was your first plan in the first place? Yeah. You know, fuck. Yeah. You don't have to be a Christian to like want justice. It's fine. So this, uh, <laughs> keeping cannot. with the quote, this is a Sorry. moral issue now. No rational and intellectually honest person can look at the evidence and conclude Larry Swearingen is guilty of this horrible crime. So that's, uh, we'll keep talking. Um, <sighs> So their support, the support of these physicians mm-hmm. and scientists started coming after his first execution date was set um, for 2007. So there was also, and this whole time Larry is doing his own research, he's being his own advocate. So this is in 2007 for certain. Is that it in last Spanish? Quote might have been. It's not, <laughs> but I can try to translate. Uh, Sorry. No, I can't. So <laughs> I'm white. <laughs> on January 22nd, appellate attorney Ridding filed a habeas corpus appeal anchored by the testimony of an entomologist who said that based on temperature reports that said the average temperature that month was 50 degrees mm. with highs in the mid 70s. The earliest those maggots could have began colonizing her body was December 18th, a week after Swearingen was put in jail. Swearingen himself, while studying the temperature data, had found a crucial error in the numbers that showed it had actually been warmer than the climatologists had initially reported. Well, so, no one believes him because yeah. he's in prison doing research. Right. The Criminal Court of Appeals stayed the execution, that 2007 first execution, and actually called for a hearing to look into the matter in the trial court. At the hearing, another entomologist, James Ahrens, testified he noted that there was no evidence of maggot colonization in the anal and vaginal regions as would be expected in a body left in the wild for so long 
He also pointed out that the body hadn't been picked on by the thousands of wild pigs, crows, and vultures, like I said earlier, Mm -hmm. that live and feed in the forest. Or, as he wrote in an affidavit, quote, It is very common to find near-to-complete skeletonization and bones scattered over a wide area by scavengers in cases where remains of missing persons are not recovered for significant periods of time after being left in locations such as the location in this instant case. Aaron's conclusion? Trotter's body had been there no longer than a week. So pathologist... Luis Sanchez, um, the 2007 Harris County Medical Examiner, said that a body in the forest for 25 days would show way more decomposition. Uh, He guessed it had been there for no longer than 14 days. So now Lloyd White, the deputy Tarrant County Medical Examiner. So this is statewide. It's going everywhere. I was like, that's Dallas shit. White thought the conditions of the organs made it more likely Trotter died close to January 2nd, 1999. So she died only like a day before she was found or that day. That's confusing. So Joy Carter, the original lady saying she's fine. She died, blah, blah, blah. And then now we have someone saying, oh, it might be a week after. Now someone's saying it's a day before she's found. Yep. That's uh, okay. Uh It was botched pretty decently. Um, So he viewed photos of her heart, which revealed that, quote, the muscle is still red and relatively fresh looking. The appearance of the heart is what one would expect to find upon an autopsy of a recently deceased individual. White also wrote, quote, unfortunately, the conviction in this case rests upon misleading forensic pathological testimony. He was referring to the words of our friend Joy Carter. Duh. She had moved on from Harris County, but Ridding tracked her down in Marion City, Indiana, where she was the chief forensic pathologist. Mm. He got her to reread the Trotter autopsy report and other materials, such as the temperature reports, um, and Carter realized she had made a mistake. <laughs> And now she submitted her own affidavit in which wow, she admitted good for it. Her. Mm-hmm. Holy so, shit. You think 20 years ago, it's like now she's learned. She's learned so much more. She's way more experienced. You know, she has better data now, better stuff well, to look at. Technology as well. Yes. I mean, just based way on more that. Knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. So by her calculations, the body had been in the forest for only 14 days, not 25. Carter based her new opinion on the condition of Trotter's bare torso as well as her internal organs. There was something I read. Um, I don't know why I didn't highlight it. The, your, I think it's your gallbladder or your liver. It liquefies after a few days mm-hmm. after decomposition. So that hadn't happened. So that's another huge. organ, just like the heart, that's like clearly proving exactly. It's like time you maybe weren't dead then. Yeah. Um. Plus, she noted how Trotter had weighed 109 pounds at a doctor's examination on November 23rd. When found, she weighed 105. As Larkin wrote in his affidavit, quote, even if a corpse is not scavenged, a body will lose up to 90% of its weight in less than 25 days. So mm. she'd only lost four pounds. So, some, some weird stuff about her time of death. The timeline doesn't start to match. No. So That's a half a month. Exactly. Of just like. A difference. Gone time. Yeah. So. Larry has had seven execution dates. One 
gave him a stay because there was a clerical error in the filing. That was one of the most recent ones. Lucky. Um, there were other stays because there were retesting. And then there was a stay because of involvement with the tourniquet killer, Anthony Shore. So, just a little bit about Anthony Shore. It's someone that I had on a list for a while. Yeah, I feel like we've talked about him. We have, because when I started researching this crime, I realized that Larry Swearinger had been on a list. Because during, um, oh god, who was the fucking drifter killer that last podcast covered? One of the most notorious serial killers. Carl Panzram? No, one of the other ones. (laughs) He traveled through Texas, did a few murders in Texas. Henry Lee Lucas? That one. Henry Lee Lucas, I think, mentioned this crime during his spree of just like, I did this one, I did this one, I did this one. Yeah, because he talks to everyone and gets all the info. Yeah, Yeah. and so that prompted last podcast to talk about this a tiny bit and mention the recent story at the time in 2017 of Anthony Shore. Totally. We have. If not even recording, but just in person of like, oh, did you hear about this? Blah, blah, blah. So Anthony Shore, um, he killed, shit, I didn't write this one down. He killed... During um, 1986 to 2000, he killed four or five women in Texas and kind of the surrounding areas. Um, He, just before his execution date in 2018, I believe it was. Yeah, he was executed in 2018. So this was happening in 2017 before Mm -hmm. his execution date. It was rumored, kind of floating around the prison, that he was going to confess to Melissa Trotter's murder. Prison guards caught wind of this. They searched his bunk. They found a file on her crime. It was sort of found out that he and Larry had struck a deal. They had kind of become acquaintances in prison. And he was going to, at the last minute, right before his execution, because he was already found, like, right. there was one murder for sure for the that team. they could totally yeah. get him on. So he was like, I'm on death row. I'll just... I'll get Be you exonerated. Cool, yeah. Was so it that, in Spanish? Let me guess. Right. <laughs> so that was found out. Um, and so they halted Anthony's execution. He has since been executed in 2018, super recent. Um, and that caused them to relook at it. And the defense is like, well, we should look at him more. We should. He. We right. shouldn't look at him more because his MO, he is called the tourniquet killer because of his Ugh. use of a ligature with Ugh. either a toothbrush or a bamboo stick to tighten or no. loosen the lig- ligature. The instrument is similar to a twitch, a tool used by farmers to control horses. So It's like a grot. Yeah, it's like a grot. And this is not... Like the name tourniquet that creeps me out. This is not how no. Melissa was murdered. And if... The tourniquet killer had been operating from 1986 to 2000. This would be near the, the end. Cutoff, yeah. So it's not like this would have been one of his first crimes before sure. he learned how to use yeah, his, basically a garage. Like, actual. Yeah. yeah. So the defense was like, Whoa, what? We should halt. We should give him a stay. We should exonerate. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, this motherfucker just was trying to do his buddy a solid. Right. That's Let's not be that's stupid. It. Yeah. What a waste of fucking time and money, to be perfectly so, honest. That's something that has bugged me this entire time I've researched this, you know, today. <laughs> um, this state 
has spent millions and millions and millions of dollars on Every these state appeals. Has, let's be real. No, no, no. But just in this case. Oh yeah. Like absolutely. But over I mean, thank God. Years, let's thank God or whatever that it exists. That, that they do it. They did because you never know. But it's well, kind of obvious that most likely not. Well, that's why the death penalty shouldn't be a thing because you have automatic exactly. right to appeal and all um, this bullshit. You have to exhaust it. It's so much money. It's fine. It's yeah. So. So tourniquet homie didn't do it. He didn't do it. So Larry Swearinger's current date of execution is August 21st, 2019. Shit. Yeah. So it's coming up. He has been in prison for quite some time. (laughs) 17 years now. Um, If not a little longer, if you count other time served during the trial and the warrant and everything. Mm -hmm. So... Unfortunately, this has been a widely covered case throughout Montgomery County, throughout Conroe, um, mostly because this dude has involvement with the Innocence Project. There's right. so many questions about it, his involvement with Anthony Anthony Shore, all of this stuff. So you would think there would be something a little bit more about the victim. I could find but one quote from her family. Shocker. You know, it happened so long ago. This was before the internet. This was before. I mean, well, the internet was kind of, it was a thing, but it wasn't like it is today. They had cell phones. Um, Don't click on the the world sign on your phone or you'll get charged $800 on your bill. Or whatever it was, like the circle in the middle. Yeah. So much money. I I know. My parents, I was grounded all the time. Um, So... (laughs) This was before, you know, obituaries were online, Facebook memoriams, all that stuff. So I couldn't really find a lot about her. I kind of assume her family is trying to lay low. The person who suggested this case to us was connected to the family. I think she worked with the brother. Um, but I'm not sure if she personally knew Melissa Trotter. Mm-hmm. Um, but Melissa Trotter was born on November 26, 1979. She just turned 19 when she was strangled to death. Um, she's buried in Forest Park, the Woodland Cemetery. She was, truly, she was beautiful. Um, she was kind. And her mother still wears her cross every day. Um, her mother said, quote, We just try to be able to remember that she's a lot more than what happened to her. That's cool. So really I like sad. That statement. Yeah. So, oh, <laughs> that's the introduction. So, now we'll go into questions and theories. And... Since I have such a, I'm going to paint my picture yes. for you. So I'll kind of run through it and I'll paint. So <laughs> paint our way. My first question and whole theory about this is the circumstances under which they met. He got her number and they met again. So did they hit it off? Did she voluntarily give her, give his number or was she so tiny? He's so towering. I think let's just, let's just look at his height. He is five foot ten inches and a hundred ninety four pounds. Um, this was I can't tell when this death row information. So let's say he gained forty pounds in prison. You know that's he's a still one hundred and fifty but... pounds. Ah, that's actually pretty small for five foot ten. But anyways, he towers yeah. over. She's tiny. She's a little person. Um, Larry's intentions are clearly sexual. But was she giving off any vibes? Was he stalking her? She, so this is my, in college, the, my first year in college, there was this kid who was pretty creepy. Um, he kind of latched on to me and other girls in my friend's group. I would 
Oh, wait. This, okay. Yes. Yeah, I've told you about yeah. this guy. I would set up, if I was trying to study or just <coughs> listen to music in between classes, I would be on one table and I would be that asshole who's like covering the whole table. She's got her backpack on one chair. She's got her feet up on the other. The other chair is across the table to her, but she is shit covering where you yeah. would sit, just trying to make it obvious that don't I don't want to me. be talked to. You can't sit with us. This guy would always come move my shit over, pull out a chair and come sit and talk at me. Um he tried talk to get me. my yeah, he tried <laughs> to get my number. He would follow me to my car. It got to the point where I had to report it to campus police just because I was like, yeah. This guy is good for you. So much. It's so it, it was creepy and he found my social media profiles he Mm -hmm. found he would comment on them and he would do and he would ask me weird pointed questions so that is definitely some bias that I'm bringing into this but I'm thinking 27 year old super tall dude finds this cute small adorable girl he goes up he starts talking to her this is before the time we're in right now the me too movement the fuck politeness the all the shit you think about yourself at that age even me in, at that age, you know, that's eight she's years not, ago now. She's almost. not a kid, though. She's not a kid. You know what I mean? But I was easily like it. I never didn't give someone my number if they asked for it because I didn't want to be rude. I didn't want to. I didn't want to make them mad. I didn't. So, yeah, I'm thinking it is possible that he got because they didn't exchange numbers. Mm-hmm. He got her number and she said, oh, yeah, we can hang out tomorrow. And bails. And bails. And She's a he, pretty girl. She probably gets approached all the time. Right. And then she call, he calls her, probably calls her, calls her, calls her, because he has told all his coworkers mm-hmm. that he gets to fucking hook up with right. this cute, hot little college girl. And he calls her out on it. She says, oh, I was taking a test. Oops. We'll try another time. Yeah. And he goes to her school where Stalker he status. knows she'll be. Finds her in the library or already maybe with her tater tots already with her lunch. tater tots with herself only by herself to have lunch mm-hmm. because he had had plans to have lunch with her. Her body when they did she, potatoes were found in her stomach All right. and also some greens and chicken, but not a lot of it. That's a so, long time after to find that. Another thing. Ooh, exactly. Right. No, no, no. That is. I didn't write that down anywhere, but it's like, uh, yeah. yeah. So. Did they put her in a fucking freezer for a month? Right. What the fuck? Exactly. Ugh. So I'm thinking she was trying to dodge this guy. He came to her school. Um, they're, She's trying the, to be chill, not make a trying scene. to be chill. They sit and talk for a little bit. And the only problem with my theory is yeah he convinces her to get in the car somehow maybe he tells her i'm married i just you know you're really nice and cool let's let me buy you lunch let's go down to this cafe or whatever were there witnesses at the restaurant well her car was just left there so yeah okay so she had plans on coming back exactly okay so what restaurant did they go to Mm -hmm. were there witnesses did anyone corroborate receipts exactly i didn't find anything about that um so, yeah, was he stalking her? Was he a creepy stalker or was he genuinely a friend? So it's either my scenario where she was kind of coerced. And I looked up pictures of him. He wasn't bad looking. Mm-hmm. We don't know. You, there are plenty of good looking guys out there that are fucking creepy and give you vibes. And you're just like, I want you far away from me. I don't 
trust you. Think of her being a year older, though, okay? Just a year. Mm-hmm. You think 20, 27, not a big age difference. It isn't. You put yeah. yourself in the 20, 20 range, you think 19, 27, 28. It could come across as creepy. Yeah. But is it, though? Well, she was freshly 19 by, like, maybe 10 days. Okay. So it's kind of like she wasn't a mature 19. She was but just out I of high school. I still think you're, you're young enough, but you're old enough to be like, mm-hmm. I could go for an older guy. Yes. You know what I mean? Which is why. I could be into that. It's either, I think, my scenario or they truly were. She was kind of like this guy. He's yeah. like, he, mm, you know, I'll. I'll go, you know, I had tater tots because I didn't know if he was serious about yeah, taking me out to lunch like you said. or whatever. And was right. Like, all right, he's here. He seems nice enough. He's showing yeah. effort. Mm-hmm. You know, all that coercive control stalker shit is so you know, he let, con- misconstrued into, he, yeah. oh, he really likes me. Yes. Not to victim blame. So going by the pretty circumstantial evidence that yeah. the prosecution had that got this man convicted, they go out to eat they go back to his trailer an altercation has she smokes a cigarette Mm -hmm. maybe or at least takes them out of her pocket to like hang out on the couch or something um something occurs an altercation happens and at some point he strangles her with a pantyhose found that was his wife must have been terry's must have been terry's or she leaves on foot yeah. She goes somewhere. You're in a shitty trailer park. And gets kidnapped, raped, and murdered by someone completely different. But also, he would have had to. My thoughts are. Her, Did he have a freezer? <laughs> exactly. Her body had to be kept somewhere right. to slow down to the decompos- decomposition. Because she had decomposed a little. The maggots were present, but only in one part of her body. So maybe he wasn't able to completely cover her head as well or insulate the head as well. But like. But that was the, it was the, the maggots were at the point of injury. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's true. That's right. But not at the vaginal and anal cavities like the other pathologist said. But all that has obviously been completely debunked by every which other scientist in this case. So what is true? Exactly. So obviously the timeline, there's a huge chunk that's missing. Um, The robbery doesn't make sense like the robbery was supposed to be while he was out of town but if he was there to meet her that day he didn't ever deny <clears throat> meeting her and having plans with her but criminals but do he all the time. says that he you know when he was going to and from his house from like 2 30 3 30 coming back at 5 30 or so in between that time he says he picked up his grandma and drove her around and she corroborated that but we've heard stories before where a a family member is like no he was fucking with me without knowing you know just like wait so is he trying to say that he left her there for a minute to go pick up his grandmother okay she never came back to the house okay and the cigarettes were left by the people who ransacked his house but ransacked his house during that two two hour period i mean it's possible i mean what about fingerprints forced entry any other evidence left behind was there a cigarette butt that was left i mean anything stolen but there were cigarette butts around melissa's body where's the wife in all of this (laughs) i I know um and they didn't match melissa or larry so it's like all right they could have been from the hunters you know right yeah so that kind of sucks but why would you smoke a cigarette multiple over a dead body yeah it's weird i'm sorry retest the cigarettes what the fuck there's a lot that should be retested redone i think i was telling hannah earlier 
I feel like this is kind of similar to Adnan Sayed. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, I think he kind of, I think he did it. I don't personally think Adnan did it. But there are so many, it's like the country's divided. It's like the other half of people think he for sure did it. But I think what everyone agrees on across the board. New trial. He should have had a new trial. Insufficient counsel, bad evidence, circumstantial evidence, no DNA evidence linking. It's all the same in this case. And this man is on death row. So I think... It does make sense that he killed Melissa. I think. It's plausible. And it might not be. It, it might have been an accident. They might have been doing some kinky asphyxiation, you know. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Was the, What was the issue? And it was mildly brought up about his previous rapes and, uh, you know, whatever that situation. Fucking mildly brought up. What age range were those girls? Right. Was the, the, you know, demographic and description similar to Melissa? Does he have a type? Does he go for girls not to bring up pedophilia? Because that's just me. But like younger uh-huh. girls, is that what he goes after? Is I this don't a, know. That would be nice thing, you know what I mean? to know. Yeah. It would be really nice How to know. How the fuck did they even meet? Like, I just, yeah, I don't, what? I don't think it was an accident. I think if it was going to happen, if he did it, it was on purpose. Yeah. And Which he tried to cover me- it up with the burglar. He tries to cover it up with the Espanol. He tries to do da 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 And the letter to, I don't, it just, yeah. but also it's way too circumstantial. Could he be a sociopath? Or a psychopath? Probably more a psychopath because psychopaths actually can feel feelings, you know? But what well, I want to hear from the wife, dude. I want to hear what she her, her stayed by is his about side. Him. Of course she did. I uh-huh. mean, I say that because maybe she is fucking scared to say otherwise. Yeah. But I mean, come on. Yeah. She testified about the house being ransacked, but he also reported it as a robbery. So she was like, yeah, it was fucking weird. But That's it was smart like a to robbery. report it. You know right. what I mean? That's a, you're exactly. a step ahead That's of why the I'm situation. like, is he one of those types of personalities that's like, and he could have mastermind, her. you know. Right. But I think you become obsessed. For me personally, this is all speculation. Who knows? I think he picked her out of a crowd, went after her. Maybe they went at the wedding. Kind of intimidated her enough, and, or coerced her enough, was charming enough to get her alone. I, I'm not sure if. I mean, maybe he. this was his first murder and he just happened to be so bad at it that he got caught. Or it could have been like an accident, you know, or she, he could have just been enraged that she refused to have sex with him. Yeah, um, I could see that more. It's so like that old thing, you know, women, um, when polled, say that they're afraid of violence from a man and men are afraid that a woman will make fun of him. Mm-hmm. So they could have tapped into something there or she like rejected him and he just went fucking bonkers especially if these previous rapes and right assault, if they would compare and contrast if they are yeah. a thing um but where did he put her exactly that's a it's like huge there, huge 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 question mark because her body was not there the entire no, time and not. she either was not dead on December 8th. Yeah. Either or she was preserved. hostage or put her somewhere yeah. where her body was preserved. So it's just. There Did he have a storage so unit? Was there a freezer at his mechanic shop? Yeah. What the actual fuck? Like, what was at his mother's house? Did she have room to store her somewhere happened? or keep her held up? Like talk to the wife. Talk to the friends. Talk to the family. Yeah. Someone knows something. I think. I'm not. I'm not torn up about this man having an execution date. I am. I don't think it's fair. I don't don't think think he should die without definitive evidence because I just don't think that that is legally okay. He deserves a new trial because we all would want a new trial. You know, it's and if he is innocent, then fuck me. Like this is 
an awful, awful, awful miscarriage of justice. It's horrifying. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, the person who did kill Melissa is free. I do think he might have had some involvement in it. He might have killed her. Or led to something, something. whether she walked on foot somewhere. I don't know. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Was it his cell phone or her cell phone that was pinged? His. His. All right. So she doesn't didn't have one that we're aware of. I mean, she could have called from to be like, hey, girl, I need a ride. Come get me. I'm at this ghetto ass trailer park. She might have because how I'm wondering how he would have known he was she was at school. Like maybe they were like he called her earlier in one day without thoroughly. Right. Stalking. I don't want to say stalking, but like knowing, knowing like, her patterns, knowing where she would be. Twenty-seven-year-old mechanic doesn't. I mean, maybe did he go to school there? Do we know that? It would have come know. up. Like, oh, Ooh, they actually, knew each other. Do. You know what I mean? Like, they met each other. He was at a trade school. I don't. You know what I'm saying? Like, there. Ha- where is the connection? Yeah, that should be important in my mind. I don't know, but maybe not. Yeah, damn it. Sometimes Murderpedia will have um, their education. Oh yeah, no, there's nothing. Yeah, so there's a lot of missing links. There's a this. lot of questions. There's too many questions to convict. There's too many questions for us to really know. Mm-hmm. The end Love of the day, it. a 19 year old yeah. woman is dead, <sighs> and there's just way too many questions about it. And she may or may not have received justice. And it's just awful to think well, about. And that's what this is kind of an interesting uh, difference in a lot of our cases that we cover is that usually it's either law enforcement fucks up or the courts fuck up. But this is more science, man. Like, we've had the technological advancements that weren't great, and now they are. But this is, like, full-on, total different opinions from Mm -hmm. doctors that are, like, basic, like, oh, no, these this is, like, obvious science of insects, when they can harvest stuff, temperature, climate. Okay, no, decomposition. This is basic, like, year one, you know, pathology school, whatever the term is. Dude, it's like how many competent people had their hands in this case, Mm -hmm. you know? It's so many. And also something, so our listener that suggested this also has a connection to Sarah Cleary and Misty Morgan, Mm -hmm. who I covered over a year ago. They were also killed in Conroe. I went back and listened to that episode because I was like, foggy on some of the details remember that's the one where this kid gabriel they met at a club two kids gabriel they yeah, two it's as Gabriels. convoluted as this case is it, it is yeah. and i think 100 percent that there are two people in prison for their murders that didn't do it i think it was this gabriel character that was never really super looked into mm-hmm. um and that kind of i didn't want to go down this rabbit hole research wise but there is a question because sarah and misty were killed in 1997. Melissa was killed in 1998. That would make it the same DA for Montgomery County. Mm-hmm. That would probably make it the same sheriff around that area. Probably make it the same medical examiners. The same people dealing with these cases. So it kind of leads you to wonder. Not maligning law enforcement at all. Because like I said, I didn't do any research. Because like we know when um, Dean Coral was terrorizing the heights the fucking hpd system was just so corrupt and awful and politically charged and everything was terrible and so that's why these young black kids or low-income kids were just the less dead and they were all runaways so it kind of you know it's not out of the realm of possibility that there might have been some corruption some people in positions they shouldn't have been in during this time period in montgomery county that maybe led to 
three wrongful convictions or you know so it's it's just a little nugget to think about well and like what okay i don't know how big conroe was in the late 90s but the last thing you want your semi most likely small town to have on their hands is a potential serial killer killing teenage girls out in the woods that is also something that was mentioned in the um abe lincoln's top hat interview about how crime rates and when politicians say they're going to be tough on crime Mm. that's just they are incentivizing police to not that's why rapes aren't gone after um because once police start to investigate something that crime rate dings yeah that crime rate dings 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 and then property values go down and then that politician or district attorney doesn't get reelected. so this lady's this girl's murdered we've got our murderer within a week yeah. Both of these crimes within a week or with, so, they they have their prime suspects. With it's either no evidence with no no DNA evidence, all circumstantial. It's either really good police work or really hasty police work to tie things up in a nice bow. No one needs to be afraid. The police know what they're doing. The DA is great. He should be reelected. No one can. The judge up. should it's be fine. reelected. Fine. The Let sheriff the should keep his position. Yeah. Exactly. So Melissa doesn't matter. The way our justice system is set up, just like it lays out corruption. It's like corruption has to happen because that's the way our system is set up. And so that could be happening here. It might not be. It's just something to think about. Do you have any questions or theories that we didn't touch on? No, I think that, like you said, I mean, there's so many back and forths, all this stuff. I do want people to remember that the Innocence Project is involved with this. Yes. Just a reminder. So this is and that's serious. heavy evidence to think that he might be innocent. Right. To just remember, we got heated, mm-hmm. I got heated. He sounds not like a great guy, but... You know, you can joke with your friends. You're going to have a piece of ass for lunch. And right. it's, it's fine, you it know. doesn't mean you're a murderer. Right. Yep. But also, you have other, you have a history. I don't know. It's, it's a. Stacy. Quarry. I think. My Quandry? Quarry? Quarry. Quarry. <laughs> I said quarry. Quarry. Like a deep hill with water, you know. Yeah. How that makes you feel. And rocks. <laughs> um. Yeah. So my takeaway from this, my conclusion he deserves a new trial. Yeah. We don't know if he did it or not. The Innocence Project is involved for a reason. Maybe not because he's innocent. Maybe just because of the miscarriage of justice mm-hmm. in this. But either way. Just the right to a new trial. Melissa deserves. She deserves this book to be closed. And us to know the yeah. truth. I yeah. don't think it's going to happen because we have dickhead greg abbott as our <laughs> governor and he's in a wheelchair come on nah, he's still a dick <laughs> um and we also oh did you know like you knew this right it could be struck down by our um i don't know anything about the government don't it, even it could be struck down by our like state courts our lawmakers did pass a law that would give women who have an abortion the death penalty did you hear that? I'm. I mean, are we surprised? Right. So that's the state we live in. So, is there any justice for anyone? We don't know. Yeah. That's the end. Um. Fucking yeah. rest yeah. in peace, Melissa. And yes. maybe fuck you, Larry Swearingen. I'm gonna put a soft maybe on that. Melissa was. She didn't deserve any of no. this. No. I mean, not that any victim ever ever does. No. Unless you're like Donald Trump or something. But it's it's awful. Yeah. So. 
I'm so glad we talked about that one. That yeah. was great. I'm glad we uh, took that suggestion. Good job. Yay. Yay. Mm. Do we want to take a break? Yes. More cool. drinks. All right. So that was good. <laughs> Mine um, Fuck. is a totally different realm. So this is the case of Kelly Wilson in Gilmer, Texas. Where is that? So you said north of Conroe. <laughs> Correct. That's yeah. That's a lot of places. Um, so brief little background like I always kind of go into. I found this when I decided to look up murders in Gilmer because Scott and I are supposed to go there in May. Okay. For this thing called Toyota Jamboree where you bring like your big rig truck thing or whatever and like ride trails and crawl mountains and camp and shit. Um, ironically... When I, because I was like trying to confirm, um, not only, oh, are you okay? <laughs> it's fine. Uh, not only does this town host the Toyota Jamboree, but each October it hosts the East Texas Yamboree. Oh my God. So it, it celebrates the sweet potato or yam, hence the name. So I thought that was pretty funny. I'm so much more interested in the Yamboree right? than the Toyota like, Bree or Can whatever? you imagine all the like fried or whipped <sighs> or, you know, Cinnamon I, and marshmallow covered, yes. or you know, brown sugar. That's yeah, that's, no, that's what they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's Thank pretty God. far out east of the state, or to the kind of northish, eastish border. It's like a forty-five okay. minutes outside of Tyler, basically. Oh, okay. That's yeah. I have a distributor there. I'm about to drive through that area it's next like month. Five-ish hours away. Yeah, it sucks. Get to fucking do yeah. that a day and a half it's okay <laughs> um but yeah so I, like i said this is about kelly wilson and her disappearance but there's a lot of fucked up shit in the story so i'm really excited to finally uh do this on our debut cults cannibals corruption oh yeah. my <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this story begins about 8 30 p.m on january 5th 1992 when kelly day wilson it's d-a-e that's just her middle name i don't know um, she was 17 at the time. Uh, she left the video store where she worked, which was oh so cleverly named Uh-oh. Northeast Texas or Northeast Te- yeah Texas Video. Why Northeast did- Texas Video? They were like, oh no, y'all, y'all got to go down to Tyler for that blockbuster shit. Why not call it like Net Video? You know, like shorten that up a bit. Yeah, that's fine. North. You can't say it when you've had a drink or two. Northeast, Northeast Texas, Texas Video. No, yeah, yeah, you know why they could do that because everyone just said, let's go to the video store. Yeah. <laughs> The only one in 50 miles. Um, But yeah, so she left the video store. She headed to her car and then went to a nearby bank uh, with the day's receipts and deposit money. I used to do that for the Blockbuster. (laughs) Creepy ass Blockbuster job that you had. So sketchy. Um, But it's been 27 years and her case is still unsolved. So we do know that a deposit of the video store's money was successfully made at the Gilmer National Bank via the drive-through window, but um, the surveillance camera footage was pretty grainy and it wasn't sharp enough to determine if the person was actually Kelly or not. Um, it was sharp enough, however, to show that there was a second person in the passenger seat of the vehicle. I don't know how. If it's the, I don't know how that works. It's just but, like we can make out that that's a body, right? The two seat people, but we don't. I don't know what angle, all that shit, whatever. Yeah. Uh, strangely enough, the next morning, Kelly's car was discovered parked alongside the video store. So, meaning she drove back to the store after the bank. Okay, so maybe it was a coworker. She Perhaps. was like, "I don't want to go to the bank alone. Ride maybe. with me. I'll I don't bring know. you back." Yeah, I mean, it was eight thirty, not super late, that's but also true. like. 
Are banks open that way? No, but you're you have the night deposit after hours deposit okay. boxes. Just so wanna, you I didn't up, know if that was a thing back in early nineties, but whatever. It's a creepy, creaky thing, and <laughs> creepy and creaky, creepy and creaky. Correction, cannibalism, blah 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 blah. So yeah, much, all the C's. Um, <clears throat> all right, focus. Some reports say it was uh, her car that was found alongside the video store. Um, that it was found by her stepfather, Robert Robert Carlson, and then some reports say that it was found by her mother, Kathy Carlson, which forensic files. Um, it was just an interesting tidbit just because, um, I don't really know why it would be found by one or the other, how the reports got it mixed up, but I just thought that was kind of weird. Um, either way it was found with one of the tires actually slashed and several personal items were found to have been left inside, including her purse. Um, I wasn't able to find the details of what was actually in the purse, but basically the only thing noticeably missing were the keys to her car. So, okay. So two days later on January 7th. Gilmer Police Sergeant James Brown contacts the Gilmer, yeah, I know, (laughs) Gilmer Mirror, a local paper, asking for help in notifying the public that Kelly was missing and asking anyone with information to contact the GPD. Um, Pretty good first step. You know, two days later, you know, you've, you know, worn down the 24-hour, oh, she's not a runaway, blah, blah, blah. You can report the whole thing. I don't know when that law became a thing, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Countless volunteers spent thousands of hours researching the entire town and the backwoods of the area, hoping to find Kelly alive and well. Uh, Reports state that Sergeant Brown even spent his off-duty hours searching for Kelly. And according to some, he even became pretty obsessed with her case. Um, He put ads in the local paper regarding her disappearance and even raised money for a highway billboard asking the public for clues. Did he have a daughter around her age? I immediately thought the opposite. You thought that he did it? Well. (laughs) See, I thought that he's like super connected. He's like, that could be my kid. I mean, you just have a positive outlook. It's it's fine. Oh, sometimes. (laughs) Um, So now a retired or now retired police officer of the Gilmer PD is quoted saying, Three people know what happened to Kelly Wilson, and two of them are still alive. Mm. So keep that in mind, I guess. So two years later, in 1994, Kelly's case would take a hard left turn into unexpected territory. So in late January of that year, a grand jury would indict seven members of the Kerr family, K-E-R-R, just a whatever, and uh, friends therein, and along with... None other than Sergeant James Brown himself. Whoa. All in the connection with the murder of Kelly Wilson. What the fuck? So this is about to get kind of convoluted and slightly Oh, confusing. yeah, I forgot there was like cults and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So rewind back to where we were in 1992, but completely semi-unrelated to Kelly Wilson. Okay? Okay. Get ready. Fifteen children in Gilmer, Texas, were removed from their extended families of origin and placed in protective therapeutic foster care after investigations by Child Protective Services revealed that they had suffered severe sadistic sexual abuse and victimization by parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, and others. A special prosecutor was appointed to bring the alleged perpetrators to justice. So Scott Lyford, a Galveston attorney, and his investigative team were able to accumulate sufficient evidence to gain indictments and convictions against the defendants, which I'll go into. This is just the smidge, like, general overview that I'll go into detail soon. As the children became increasingly secure in their foster care environment and their therapeutic relationship with a mental health professional, which sounds, like, super great for early 90s, like, just saying. Yeah. Um, they began to reveal details of their victimization, which included elements of cult-like and ritualistic abuse, such as mm, 
being forced to ingest blood, urine, and feces. Oh. Abhorrent sex practices and other behaviors indicative of ritual activities. Oh, God. Uh, One of the abused children even disclosed special knowledge regarding the disappearance of a missing teenager, Kelly motherfucking Wilson. Oh, shit. Yeah. How's this unsolved? Oh, this is good. Okay. (laughs) Uh, This child implicated his sexual abuse perpetrators and an area police officer in the abduction, rape, torture, and murder of Kelly. Uh, when confronted with the child's testimony, two of the adults confessed to the offenses, and one of the adults eventually directed the investigative team to a property owned by the paternal grandparents of the children where the adult alleged some of the ritualistic activities had taken place, including the murder of Kelly Wilson. Wait, so they admitted to it? We, yeah, we get to it. What? Okay. Uh, both. <laughs> you'll shit a brick what happens. Oh, God. Um, Is it like the fucking slave ranch where it's like, uh-huh. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> I literally was just about to say that. If no one has listened to that episode, don't go listen to it now. You'll save yourself the oh, headache. That's a good one. I like I mean, it. yeah, but of just like what happens. Um, both adults submitted to uh, polygraph evaluations uh, whose results supported their confessions. OK, so everything they said about what they were asked about was confirmed true. But of course, the two adults subsequently recanted their confessions, but later confessed again. But we'll get into that in just a second. Just like leave you hanging. This is a cold case. Remember. I'm going to give you some more details and backstory and list names because fuck these people. But this is kind of where you have to pay attention if you want the kind of familial history and such. It's not super entirely necessary, but it is just to show the level of fucked that this family is. Okay. In 1989, Loretta Gilmer. Yes. She has the same last name as the city. Don't get confused by that. (laughs) Loretta made a report to the police that her husband, Wendell, was sexually molesting their two daughters aged five and six. Their four children were removed to foster care by Child Protective Services. Wendell and Loretta were both charged with, si- with child sexual abuse. However, Wendell was convicted and placed on probation because why not? You know, you don't need to keep up with all the names. It's just I'm giving you a layout. OK, Wendell moved in with I believe you pronounce it Bibby, Bibby, B-I-B-Y, Bibby, Bibby. I would say Bibby. Bibby. OK, he moved in with the Bibby family. They'll come into play later. Wendell later married Wanda Hicks in 1992. She had five children from a previous marriage. Upon learning that Wendell, still on probation for child sexual abuse, had moved into Wanda's home where her five children, young children resided, CPS yet again intervened and removed the children from their home. Wanda subsequently relinquished her parental rights to the children. Oh, my God. So just making our way through all the kids. Wendell's children also made allegations that they had been abused not only by Wendell, their father, back in 1989, but also their grandparents, Geneva Skipper Kerr and Eugene Kerr, and their uncle, Danny Kerr, and his common-law wife, Connie Martin. Oh, my God. So this is men and women, okay? It's not just dudes. Just trying to, like, put make that apparent. Yeah, that's cold. <laughs> the children reported that Danny and Connie's five children were also being abused. Those children were also removed to foster care by CPS. Jesus Christ. This is like a really small town, too. So right. they're like, like all we have weirdness. one CPS agent. <laughs> <Right>. like- <laughs> These children accused two other people, Tammy Jo Smith and her live-in boyfriend, Don Holman, of abusing them and Tammy Jo's own son, Raymond. And then Raymond and his half-brother, which is Tammy Jo and Don's son, were placed in foster care. Jeez. Okay. 
So now that we know who these kind of, or mildly know who these gross fuckers are, even though it's a lot of names to keep up with. And we're up to like close to 20 kids in foster care. It was 15. 15. Okay. Okay. Let's focus on one name in particular that I kind of briefly alluded to, which is Michael Bibby. Bibby Bibby. Who cares? Uh, There were no arrests in relation to Kelly's disappearance except for Michael's. He was only 17 at the time, just like Kelly. He was eventually... He was recruiting. He was recruiting. He was recruiting. I'm sorry. I I shouldn't do that. I I don't really have questions and theories, so I'll just state it now. Maybe they knew each other from school, but I don't have any evidence of whatever. Um, He was eventually arrested and convicted of having slashed the tire on Kelly's car. Sergeant James Brown was the only police officer to even talk with Michael in 1992 when he was charged, which um, is a small town. How many police officers do you have? But still. Yeah. Uh, Michael served some time for the misdemeanor, but was denied any knowledge of Kelly Wilson's disappearance. Um, So remember, Wendell had lived with the Bibby family between his divorce from Loretta and his marriage to Wanda. So there is a connection. Okay. Uh Here are some more connections. Sergeant James Brown was acquainted with Don Holman, one of the aforementioned child sex abusers, um, as he was Don's training officer when Don served as a reserve police officer and active duty police officer on the Gilmer Police Force. Sergeant Brown was also acquainted with Wendell Kerr as the two were co-workers for a period of time when Sergeant Brown left law enforcement briefly and worked as a truck driver. These are all like, why are all child rapists in like a secret society? I just don't understand. They are though. They are. Mm -hmm. Fucking crazy. (laughs) They are. That's why we couldn't do our pedophile thing. It's just. The closest I could get. Too much. Um, So now, once in foster care, In June slash July of 1992, Raymond, one of the, again, aforementioned child victims, he was the one who disclosed the knowledge of Kelly Wilson. Okay, so we're kind of going back to what I stated earlier. So now in more detail, Raymond alleged that Kelly had been kidnapped by a, quote, cult of which his parents, Tammy Joe and Don Holman, Geneva and Eugene Kerr, Wendell and Wanda Hicks Kerr, Danny Kerr and Connie Martin were all members. According to Raymond, Kelly was abducted brutalized over a period of 10 days, sacrificially murdered, and eaten by the assembled group. According to Raymond, Sergeant James Brown of the Gilmer Police Department was also a participant in this act. How they determined that, I'm unaware of. I don't know if there was a photo lineup or what, but it's a small town. The families were all affiliated in some shape or form at some point in time, so it's plausible that he could ID Sergeant Brown. I don't know what age he was as well. Uh, A lot of their information was kept secret because of, you know, they were minors and such. But, um, yeah, just to put that out there, whatever. In May 1993, charges of molestation were brought against Eugene and Geneva Kerr, Wendell and Wanda Hicks Kerr, Danny Kerr and Connie Connie Martin, Tammy Jo Smith and Don Holman. Special prosecutor, like I said, Scott Lyford was appointed by uh, Judge <laughs> F.L. Garrison. Why are they always an initial? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, in September of that year to handle the case. Fuck Lord Garrison. Oh, wait. Is he a good guy? Uh, eh, it does, he doesn't. He's irrelevant. Oh, okay. Sorry, I mean, sir. to a certain extent. But I'm <laughs> Shortly after he took over as lead prosecutor of the case, Connie Martin made a confession to Mr. Lyford regarding the role of all the Kerrs, Tammy Joe, Dawn, and herself in the disappearance of Kelly Wilson. So she was one of the adults I mentioned prior that confessed to everything and corroborated the story, okay? According to Connie, they had all participated together in a ritual resulting in Kelly's rape and murder. Casual. 
Subsequently, Wanda Hickskur also confessed to these crimes. So these are the two. Of course, they were the women, which I find interesting. Mm-hmm. The guilt, maybe, of it all. Maybe. Um, confessed, then later recanted, then later modified her confession in exchange for a reduced plea, uh, as you do. Yep. Um, both, like I stated prior, passed a lie detector test in which they described the abduction and murder of Kelly Wilson, and all actions were deemed truthful. Wow. So... Not that lie detectors are the end-all, be-all, but... Right. There is a science to it, to there a certain is. extent, I guess. I don't know. It's, there is. It depends on how you look at it. I think they're better now than they were in 92, but they're still... They're not even used now. I mean, barely. Barely. Connie says that the night Kelly disappeared, the Kurs received a phone call which signaled them to go get Kelly, which could mean that Michael B- Bibby was involved in some capacity... You know what I mean? You send out a kid she might be affiliated with. There was some information on the person that could have been in the car with Kelly, which was her manager, but his alibi cleared him. But who knows? Who knows? Um, She also led investigators to property she and Danny Kerr stayed at and then took them to the area that she claimed Kelly's body was buried. Investigators found bone identified by the local coroner as the tibia of a 16-year-old human. However, upon later examination, which we'll get into, the attorney general's office identified it as a 200-year-old pig bone. No, no, no. I don't know the difference. I I wouldn't know the first, like, on I photo, feel like there's you know I mean? 184 years <laughs> difference. Like, I have no idea. What's a lot that? of times, animal bones are mistaken for human and vice versa. But, like, 200 years old. Right. You know? It's yeah. like... I don't know, man. I feel like... We get into Something it. would look different. Something. Uh, physical evidence obtained from the home in the area uh, Connie brought them to included children's jewelry, hair samples, blood samples, and bone samples. Cadaver dogs also detected blood throughout the area, despite the search being two years after the alleged murder. Whoa. So that means the place was fucking drenched at one point. However, it was noted that the ground was soft, indicating the high possibility of excavated shallow graves, a.k.a. they had buried her out there, dug her up because they knew the cops were coming and moved her somewhere else. Oh, my God. Uh, Two hot spots were also located by infrared, whatever that means. I don't know that kind of science. Any kind of science. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Connie's polygraph definitively showed that she was implicating herself the Kerr family, let me reiterate, Don, Tammy, Joe Smith, blah, blah, blah. Scott Lyford, again, prosecutor, arranged for a second polygraph. But the attorney general's office canceled this polygraph appointment when they took over the case a few days later. So put a pin in all that information because I got a conspiracy corner right now. Just remember, this is unsolved. You and should be frustrated right now. And it has a huge comparison to the Texas Lake Branch. Now get this. Before these people were investigated for Kelly's murder, when Wendell Kerr was married to Wanda, all that stuff. Remember when Wanda relinquished all the rights to her children? Like, these were the first people in, like, 89, 90, whatever. All five children were adopted by the, I believe it's LaPay, L-A-P-P-E family, okay? Um, These were their longtime foster parents. These were the therapeutic... Um, you know, super severe trauma foster parents that they would put children with. So they were good people is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Um, So fast forward a few years to when everyone is in deep shit over all this child rape, possible murder of Kelly, right? So longtime foster parents, the Lapays, they moved to Colorado City in West Texas with Wanda's five kids, okay? Okay. 
They claimed that they had received death threats because of the curse situation that was happening within the judicial system there. They were, you know, getting all these threats that you took our kids, blah, 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 right. all this horrible we're stuff. We're a cannibal cult. We'll kill right. you. <clears throat> the Lapades took Danny, Wanda's son, not to be confused with Danny Kerr, the husband of Connie Martin. It's fine. <laughs> to the hospital because he had severe head injuries. Danny was comatose. Mr. LaPay explained that he had fallen while carrying Danny Jr. upstairs following an episode during which Danny engaged in headbanging. He subsequently has permanent brain damage. CPS came to the hospital and once again took custody of the five children, like these poor fucking kids. The next day, Mr. LaPay committed suicide. <gasps> Two days later, Mrs. LaPay was found dead of prescription drug overdose. Oh my God. Here's where the conspiracy happens. The Kerrs and the affiliated buckers that had been involved in all this, they've been out on bail during this time. Oh, my God. And were known to have relatives in Lubbock near Colorado City. Holy shit. They poisoned. They <laughs> flavored style poisoned these people. Just wait. October 31st. Hey, 1994. Five boxes of evidence relating or related to the Kelly Wilson investigation were stolen from the Gilmer Police Department. And soon after this, the attorney general dismissed all charges against the defendants in Kelly Wilson's murder. They were taken by James Brown, who's also friends with the attorney general. How is he supposed to take them when he is one of the ones indicted? Oh, he's not still working? No, girl. He was one that's of the... That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, you friends in high places, I guess. Oh, yeah, no. that's what, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm thinking. By the end of 1996, what? all of the indictments against all of the defendants and Sergeant James Brown have been dropped. The oh, This is the worst part of it all, okay? Ugh. The accused were released from jail. And like I said, the worst part is that most of them have been reunited with, no! the, with the children they abused and victimized. And Kelly Wilson has still never been found. Oh, my God. Let that all sink in. Isn't that awful? This isn't an unsolved case. You're right. I know. What the <clears throat> fuck? I'm sorry, everybody. I'm screaming. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just breezed through that. But, like, there's not. No. Anything. This is. Isn't that awful? Uh. Kelly was last seen wearing cut-off blue jeans, a purple rugby shirt with red, gold, and white insignia, and brown loafers. She was wearing a gold dome ring, gold emerald ring, gold diamond inset Mexican eagle coin ring, gold pinky ring, gold chain bracelet, gold watch, and triangle earrings. That's the most 90s thing I've ever so heard. So 90s. Oh, Kelly. I know. Honey. Um, she had blonde hair and a retainer on her lower teeth. Honey. Me too. Me too. Um, so now, having said all that, I have a little bit more information. Many people believe that the AG's office was right in dropping the case. What? Quote, the Texas Attorney General finding no evidence that any of the charges were true instead uncovered suggestions that the whole cult theory was the product of coercion by overzealous investigators, even to the point that they physically restrained children to elicit allegations of satanic activity. Oh my God, I have so much to say. Sergeant Brown was in a recent marriage at the time he was indicted. They spent most of their first months together under the strain of the charge and were eventually divorced. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, James, oh, this is kind of sad, also suffered a stroke. Maybe that's because of your guilt. I don't know. Uh, the AG's chief special prosecutor, Shane Phelps, said that uh, Prosecutor Lyford's investigation had efficient, uh, effectively 
destroyed any chance of solving the disappearance. Phelps said it was hard on the Wilson family because the hysteria surrounding the satanic allegations caused the search for Kelly to be forgotten, which may be true, but also they were kind of tied together. I don't know, Shane. Maybe, maybe not. Um... Oh, to end the quote, our chances would have been much better had all that not happened. Even if this is true, CPS took these children away for child sexual abuse allegations long before the connection to Kelly Wilson. And those kids, according to the reports, were just given right back to their parents and family family members who were raping and abusing them. So how is that okay? Uh, Just a smidget more. There was a book in the works in 2001 by former Gilmer Police Sergeant Bill Hamner called Witches in Our Midst, which, come Ah! on. Yeah. (laughs) It contained, quote, a true story of how the criminal justice system was used, abused, and citizen civil rights destroyed and ignored in a small East Texas town, as told to the author by former Gilmer Police Chief Al McAllister. But the book was never published. Any current information or updates on this case and the surrounding circumstances is pretty much non-existent, according to what I could find. Um, And just to reiterate, Kelly Wilson has still never been found. And that's the Gilmer Cannibal Cult, (laughs) y'all. It was like... So frustrating, right? Yeah. It's like... Like obvious crimes. Brain overload. What are your questions and theories? I have none because it's obvious... The, yes. The, the, the theories and the questions are like blatantly on paper that were documented and indicted. But and then just like swept under the rug. Right. So this, and I wrote this a while ago, and then I started a couple times, <laughs> and then I squared it, and then I circled it, and then I pointed arrows to it because it just kept, I was like, yes, yes, yes. So you have, I've talked about it on this podcast a lot, as if I have another one. Yeah, I was like, well, wait, where <laughs> else are you talking this about? This one. I also have one about plants. It's fine. Last podcast on the left mm-hmm. covered Satanism in the government, which turned oh, into them just basically covering the Nebraska cover-up. Right. Where? Kids, it's pretty obvious, but it was covered up, and these kids, these victims were discounted. Mm-hmm. It's pretty obvious that these kids were drugged, brought into a bathroom that had a secret door. That's where they were taken to these sex dungeons, and they, they you Naturally. know. When they were out of the, whatever. So their stories were weird enough. They were kids. No they one were likes never to have believed. sex with people that are awake. I mean, no where's one. the fun in that? Yeah, it's like, obviously, you need to roofie them. So the kids were discounted because they implicated too many high-powered people. And there were too many, like, connections and shit. There was too much going on that, like, clicked together perfectly and implicated just enough people that showed corruption and issues. But we're talking about issues. Gilmer BFE Doesn't Texas. matter. Doesn't fucking one matter. One cop. It's still government. Guy. It's still government. It is still mm. connections to politicians in that region. It's still fucking all one, funnels in together. I would like to know the connection that James Brown had with the higher ups. You know what I mean? With the attorney general. Dude, the dude. Maybe Dallas. And the Nebraska cover up was just a bank manager. He was just a bank manager. And he's the guy that was like holding all the fucking dirt on all of these high powered yeah. people that came through and got. So this is a sex cult that had ties to james brown who had ties to the local government enough to where they had all this evidence and it was like oh fuck there's no way to get around this we just need to bury yeah. it all drop the charges 
Because it's, it's not like, just one girl that got murdered, raped and murdered. This is all these children. a massive family. Yeah, almost 20 people that yeah. are now affected by this. And these kids are just, they're believed for Literally two seconds, then they're discounted. Yeah, exactly. The, how can you... Boop. Fuck you. Fuck your development. I don't understand how you... Literally, I don't understand how you can do that when you have not only the confessions of the children, but adults. And scientific evidence to back it up. You find remains. You find evidence proving... Not quote another podcast, but it goes straight to the fucking top. Satanic panic had just kind of started quieting itself down. So you throw in the satanic Mm -hmm. panic, that's enough to get the entire town just like... And so they don't want to fucking think that there is a giant cannibalistic sex abuse cult in their backyard. So... Yeah, it's super easy. No one's going to be like, wait a, wait, wait a minute. Hold on. Well, I also think that that points to like <clears throat> not to discount people who are uh, like positively Satanist, but a lot of the people that act on this negative side of Satanic worship, mm-hmm. they're all fucked up. They're on drugs. Right. They're on lack of mental health help. Yeah. So I'm wondering what the drug... Uh, you know, crime rate or not the drug. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Is this like a pocket of like right. heroin addicts exactly. or like opioid addiction? Yes. Yeah, what yeah. is the the drug situation in that town? Were all these people literally just high as a kite and going around and just like raping every child and killing people? Did they have like one night where everyone just like did one drug and killed this girl? What was happening? Or are they connected to a fucking web of different weird sex cults across the country and it's just like pocket here pocket here pocket here you know like families are all and i don't know maybe it's because it's like we've talked about not that we posted it but we've talked about how it's passed down through victim to victim and a lot of it is through family stuff of like you rape your daughter and your son and they pass it down and, and it's not always the case but like this was a family generations yeah of people who raped their kids yeah and friends you just don't find your friends they're like hey let's go fuck a kid right let's fuck your kid yeah sorry no you just don't also husband and wife right kid yeah which is like it is possible because we know that women can be just as fucked up and sadistic as men of course but when you're sober (laughs) you might (laughs) oh that was a good one but like it's, when you're sober you might confess to it exactly because you actually feel guilt and you feel the coercion because that, you're in the middle of this ha- sex yeah. cult like we've all probably you've, what was the level of you've listened to the podcast about had. nexium right uncovering uh, nexium I, I know about it i didn't listen to the it the podcast but I is know great all it, that it's about it's and a it whole just sex cult. Yeah, yeah it folds in how the layers how you eventually just start purporting all of this shit and you're all of a sudden it's, i've said purporting twice now is that the way i mean it is that a word? I don't know. <laughs> don't look at me. Are you kidding know. me right now? I'll look it up in a minute. My I phone don't know is what the, phone, the so. drug statistic word is that I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, all right. So we're both we're both sucky. That's <laughs> <laughs> our first episode in two months. It's fine. fine. But like, it it lays out pretty well how it's folded in, and then it takes so much to yeah. get you out of it. So these women could have well, it's been like, like an adult Whoa. grooming and brainwashing. Exactly. They Same had thing. this like sobering moment while they were being interrogated. Oh, yeah, and they're like, it's my fucking what the son. Fuck we did this. And my 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 half son or whatever. Like, it's, oh my god! Right, Kelly I just want, was murdered ha- by these people. Oh, absolutely! And she has got right. no justice. No. Her family is living just surrounded in this cocoon of these people, and they can get no justice, no relief. No, and I feel like this is a really good 
kind of similarity, but also like antithesis of yours and like yes. the compare and contrast of that. There's a lot of circumstantial evidence. Yes. But a lot of it looks likely. Yeah. And yours, oh, there's a lot of it, but it could maybe probably no, 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 no. Exactly. It's like circumstantial. Oh, this is all circumstantial. We don't have enough evidence. So we're going to exonerate all of these people right. involved. Wherein in my case, it's like we have just enough yeah. circumstantial evidence that we're going to sentence this man to death. Uh, I don't know, man. Like maybe, maybe I can't say maybe because they definitely did shit to their kids and it's inexcusable. Right. It's like even if they didn't kill Kelly, they right. ruined 15 children's lives. But why would these kids lie about There's too many. They wouldn't. And it's like Tammy Joe and Don are completely unrelated. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. They're affiliated in like a friendship, like weird connection it's with like the, the Kevin police Bacon officer, degrees. sergeant. Yeah. Yes. There is a connection. And that's the whole point is that this Michael kid was connected. He went all out on the investigation, as he should, because it's a small town. And what what else do you have to do? You know what I mean? Yeah. But to to... It's like that that criminal that inserts himself into the investigation. Right. You know, go above and beyond, make it seem like whatever. And I'm not trying to malign him and maybe if he's innocent, but it's a little, a little just, convenient. Just a little bit. I don't know. You got, uh, you have at least a, a few kids saying that, yeah, you were fucking there. I and I think you. he was at the, the, the age where they started maybe in this sex cult they start transitioning the victim to the perpetrator they're kind of like training him it's like you've leveled up now and you get to yeah and this is your initiation bring us there, a sacrifice there, there's too many connections oh the only kid that was basically uh caught involved in her disappearance slashed her tire who's also connected to the trickle down domino effect of the family and police officer that the only one that interviewed him that could have committed this crime okay yeah Okay, Shane Phelps, or okay, Attorney General, whatever. Right, it's fine. Yeah, this is like who cares, right? Corruption. No one died. At its no finest. one got raped. No children are suffering. It's I'm fine. really curious as well. Like, I feel like the Attorney General or one of these people is probably a Congressperson at this point. You know, <laughs> like you really do love to go. It's all the way to the top. It really is, but I think it's it's funny because it probably is true. It probably and I is. I want to admit it. It's the most corrupt individuals, like. My yeah. dad tries to remind me all the time. He's like, I bet you Beto O'Rourke has like whatever. And Bernie Sanders. And I'm like, I think Bernie is an angel. But every other person ever. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Everyone like, sucks. In last podcast episode where they talked about the Nebraska cover up, they were like, yeah, it probably Barack Obama wasn't in the rape sex cult room but he was probably like two rooms away, you know, doing oh, like Jesus. the blow parties and stuff. They just all speculation. But it's like. You're just in the fucking. I don't want to think about him like thick that. Thick of it. I know. I love him so much. He's so great. Well, this just proves you that it's not just people with penises that are really shitty. Okay? Oh no. Mm-mm. Women come in when it's too late. Yep. Yeah, women. Are we really hateful right now on this episode? Are we like, is this all of our pent up like non recording rage? So. I think so. And it's just so because we both picked really frustrating cases yeah. too. So this is a really long-winded, frustrating episode with a lot of yelling. I channeled some Zabrowski. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just sad that Kelly got lumped in with Fuck, a completely dude. separate yet still horrific situation. And she, like, I semi-agree with the Shane Phelps guy that she kind of got lost in all this. Yeah. But either way, both situations are just as important and they both got dropped. Yeah. That's fine. 
<sighs> Write a yikes and it's cool. Yikes. Yikes. Are we done? Yeah, I think so. We're on like two hours on the dot. <laughs> well, we haven't been, we haven't been around yeah. for a couple months. It's so. right. An hour a month. Yeah. You've missed us. That's, you're never going to get it again. <laughs> ne- never. <laughs> never. Um. Well, yeah. Do you have anything else to say? No. Uh, I'm traveling a lot in. Oh, you are? Wow. May. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. Oh, I talked to Ralph from Beer, Blood, and the Bayou, and he said we can totes oh. record a thing in May. Cool. Okay, we'll figure something out yeah. separate from us being Group back pod. again. Like, we'll figure it out. We can come back, I think, in at least two weeks, if not a week. This will hold you guys over for at least a couple weeks because it's like an hour a week. Yeah math and in the meantime go listen to abe lincoln's top hat that one episode i talked about and rape oh jesus christ yeah i forgot forgot that was the subject matter of it yeah rape it's always about rape all right (sighs) um yeah we'll be back at some point with more texas true crime and And if if anyone's anyone's listening happy happy halloween Halloween. (laughs) oh no Oh, no. Did it not record? No, it's fine. (laughs)